Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For 35 years, Cindy Stumpo has been a female home builder with a passion for design, a mastery of detail, and a commitment to her craft. With daughter Samantha Stumpo by her side. I don't need my whole family on a date with me. That's a good thing. No, it's goddamn weird. See, Stumpo Development is the only second-generation female construction company in the country. You're crazy. You're a wacko. You're insane. (laughs) I mean, it just doesn't end. Together, Cindy and Samantha welcome guests to explore the world of construction, real estate development, design, and more. Unpredictable. Every time I think I know what you want, you switch it up. But that's what makes your houses all unique. They discuss anything that happens between the roof and the foundation. Nothing is off limits. I, you truly do care about everybody. She can yell and she can scream, but when you get her alone, she's the best person on the planet. Cindy Stumpo is tough as nails. Stay with me. Stay with me. And welcome to Cindy Stumpo, tough as nails on WBC News Radio 1030. And I'm here tonight with my daughter. Sammy. Sammy. Okay. And we're also in the studio with please Sergeant un- Casey Hatchett, the Brookline Police. Okay. And we're talking about what policing in the, in our community, in the community of Brookline, right? Or your community, anybody's community, really, because this, this goes straight out across the whole entire country. And we are in 32 states, so there are other people that don't live in Brookline, don't understand Brookline. But let, let, let's start from the beginning here. Give your whole background, Sergeant. My background. Well, first, thank you for inviting us here this evening. Love to have you. Um, I've been with the Brookline Police Department for close to 25 years. I'm a Brookline resident. I'm a mother of four and um, entered this profession um, kind of unplanned. Uh, I started out as a speechwriter for the former governor, uh, Governor Baker and Salucci, and the Secretary of Public Safety, Kathleen O'Toole. And um, instead of pursuing a career in politics, uh, was really inspired by the work that Kathleen O'Toole had been doing in her time with Boston Police and the State Police. So I took the police exam. That was about 26 years ago, and I'm still here today. Um, I live in Brookline. I'm involved in the community. Uh, really feel um, it's an important connection to be part of the community as a mother um, and a resident and uh, a volunteer. You know, I'm on town meeting. I volunteer at the food pantry and, um, you know, an active uh, mom on the sidelines. And it's a nice uh, connection to a community that I've uh, had the pleasure mostly to serve. Uh, over okay, the last so we can years. say you're a Brookline girl. Yes. Okay. You're definitely a Brookline girl. Okay. So the reason why I have invited the Brookline police to come in here, obviously, I live in Brookline. And there's two sides to Brookline. We have, for whatever reason, we have now made a line in the sand between the south and the north side of Brookline, right? I've seen that happen before over the years, but never like it is now. So we have a situation where I feel we have too many home invasions, robberies going on on the north side of Brookline, right? I'm sorry, the south side of Brookline and not so much the north. Is that true or false? Well, we have seen a shift in some of our some of our crimes, our property crimes in particular. Um, luckily, violent crime in Brookline is, is fairly low. Violent uh, property crimes, however... Um, make up the majority of crimes that we see year to year. And what we're seeing this past year is a migration of uh, crime for residential burglaries moving from the north side of Brookline to the south side, um, where we're seeing more coordinated uh, 
uh, teams that are that are breaking into properties um, in South Brookline, where you know. North Brookline usually has, you know, series of burglary patterns, which is, you know, typically, you know, one one thief that's going door to door, maybe within a building and able to access multiple units. And what we're seeing now is uh, a different type of crime in South Brookline. Okay, you and me both, right? So a lot of the houses, thank God, no one's home, right? And that's great. You're not home. My attitude is if I'm not home, go do what you want, right? But the one chance that you do ring the doorbell and I am home, what could that look like? Right? What could that look like? So we're in our area, we're going to do what we need to do, right? If that means get an HOA put together, get extra help out there for security, we're going to do it, right? Because that's just the way we feel. If you start looking at areas of California, Florida, not so much Florida, California is big. They're doing it big. They're forming HOAs. Because right now, when you think about the Brookline Police, you guys are down how many police officers in the year? Uh, right now, our total staffing is down about 25, 26 officers. Okay, so typically... Which is a large percentage of our department. Right, so let people understand. You normally employ how many police officers? A hundred what? 135. And we're down to... Just over, just under 110, about 108, I believe. Okay. And by the end of the year, we anticipate, or shortly thereafter, being possibly down under 100 with expected retirements. Wow. Retirements. And then we had a lot that stayed on for the uh, U.S. Open. Yep. <laughs> and then said... Say, Libby, I'm out, right? And a lot of these police officers have moved to other areas, as I'm told from them, um, that you know, a lot of Brookline police do details with me. So they've moved to Cambridge. They've moved to Newton. They've, right? they've actually moved to Texas, uh, uh, Seattle area. They've moved to Everett. They've moved to New Bedford. Um, they've moved to Brockton. So we've seen officers move to departments that are um, not typical uh departments that we would see officers move to. And, you know, traditionally in law enforcement, you don't see officers moving from department to department. This is unprecedented in at least my 25 years with the Brookline Police um, and in this profession to see officers moving from one department to another. It's it's usually when you start with a department, um, you finish your career there. And that's how it usually works. That is is changing significantly. And a large number of our officers have moved to other departments, which I think people might say are not communities that you would think would be you know, more difference desirable or paying better or better work conditions. Okay, so I'm going to use common sense here. Common sense, if I've been a cop in Brookline for 10, 15 years or 12 years or 8 years, and I jump over to Everett, now I could see the Newton because it's right next to each other, and they run pretty much the same, right? But then I move over to Everett. That is one of two reasons I'm going there. One is a respect factor that I'm wanted, and two, the pay is better. There'd be no other reason. Those are both very accurate. Okay, Correct. so we have cities and towns in Massachusetts that have respect for police officers again, right? Because we know what we've all been through the last three years with police being totally disrespected. Well, you know, and you hear on social media, well, police do this, police do that. There's always the bad doctor and the good doctor. There's always the bad accountant and the good accountant. There's always the bad lawyer, and I can keep going on, right? Every business has some bad apples in it, Right. That's just normal life. There's going to be good builders. There's going to be bad builders, right? We can't stop that. So, but would you say that in the town of Brookline, most of our police officers are straight up good people? Absolutely. Okay. So for every one person that you get, there's many, many that have been great. Absolutely. Okay. Do you feel that the last three years of your life has been stressful on you and all your officers out there? 
the last three years have been extremely difficult. Um, it has been difficult on our community, on our country, um, and certainly on our profession. Um, to go from being what you know we're often revered as COVID heroes, right, to an incident happening you know a thousand miles away, that was horrific. That we watched with horror, just like you know everyone else in America. And then to be villainized for the act of someone in a state that, to be honest, I've never been to and someone I've never met, um, felt really, really bad. And you know it was very personal. It became very personal when you know we had members of our community that you know would would shout at us, tell us they hope that we die. They would throw things at us. It was, it, you know, these things didn't make the news. We didn't advertise these things, but they happened. They happened right in Brookline to officers who had nothing to do with what happened in Minneapolis or other communities where we saw horrific tragedies um, and actions taken against black and brown bodies in our communities. Our community, our department in Brookline is extremely diverse. Um, we had officers who are officers of color being called white supremacists, being called racist. Um, it was it was really um, a traumatic experience for a lot of officers. Okay, so I'm seeing you in the studio. You have a wedding band on. You have a diamond, so I'm assuming you're married, right? I am. And you have children. I do. I have four. Okay. At any point in the last three years, has your kids or your wife, your wife, your husband said enough? Oh yeah, like all enough. the time, all the time. That what they would like you to maybe retire. Yeah, it's not worth the stress. It's not worth the pain. It's not worth what. Yeah, I mean, they don't, you know, I've been heavily involved in a lot of the dialogue around reforming police in Brookline, um, around trying to prevent our, our department from being defunded. And it's taken a toll on our families and on our children. And, you know, my children are in the schools and they hear the dialogue and they read the news. And, um, you know, our, our chief of police, Jen Pastor, actually moved Hold her family. Thought. We're just going to go off to break. I'm Cindy Stumpo. You're listening to Top of Nails on WBZ News Radio. Sponsored by Floor and Decor, National Lumber and Village Bank. Welcome back to Tubbs Nails on WBG News Radio 1030. And I'm Cindy. I'm here with Samantha. And I'm here with Casey. Okay. I always let the guests introduce themselves. Introduce themselves. Okay, pick it up from there. So yeah, it has been a difficult few years. Um, you know, as I was saying, you know, there were there were times where I was uncomfortable with my kids, you know, being outside the home, um, worried that they would be targeted. Um, you know, they've they've heard some pretty awful things. They've They've seen some pretty awful things that, you know, it, it was a, a difficult message for them because they grew up around police. They grew up with, you know, their godmother is a police officer. You know, they're, they're you know, they're our closest family friends, seeing really great people doing great work in the community and coming out and being part of that, you know, at our community events. And then hearing the dialogue was really difficult for them. Um, and so, you know, a lot of us have had to you know, reconcile that with our families and show them that what they see in the news and what they're hearing even locally, um, you know, it doesn't describe who all of us are. And, you know, and what happens to, when these kids go to school? Are they are they berated on by these kids? Are they like, oh, you know, your mother, your father's no good. By the way, I want that's a question I want to ask. How many females do we have on the Brookline Police Department right now? I believe About it's 12. 12 or 16? 12. 12. We have 12 out of, what was it, 100? Just about one. So it's about a 10% average is where we're where we're at. It's a pretty low number. Now, are they starting to back off or are they trying to come in? What's your feeling? Well, right now we're having a hard time hiring anybody. anybody. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's we a, have that problem too. <laughs> that we all have that problem. But I have a, one of my son's friends, perfect example, uh, African-American boy, 
<clears throat> graduated um, Lynn University, 29 years old, has applied. You know, he'd like to be in Nashville. And then when he, he's been literally, you know, uh, staying with us because he wants to get the year in. Because he has to have a year in if he decides he wants to be a Brookline police officer. Yeah, the residency requirement makes it really difficult. It's very difficult. Because Brookline's not a you know, terribly um, affordable community to live in. Correct. And if you can't afford to live in the town, you're probably not looking to pursue a career you know, in a profession right now that's um, so, I'm know, like, so challenging. Tyler, why Brookline? We're there now. We're, we're, he'll be there a month now, and, and he'll make the year. You sure, Brookline, buddy? He's like, I'd rather be in Tennessee— in Knoxville, I, with Knoxville or what is it? What? that Tyler wants to go. Weather's nicer, more accommodating. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But he's going to apply. But the point is, if we need police officers, why is that still? That's been old, that old Brookline. You have to live in Brookline. Yeah. And- so I do hope that, um, you know, this can change in our near future. And we're going to need to make some adjustments to um, how we do our hiring if we're going to be successful and um being able to service calls in Brookline and keep the state police from servicing calls in Brookline, you know, every night when we're unable to staff. Um, it's part of the civil service process. And so it's a requirement for civil service that you live in the community for a year prior to the test. Once you take the test, you can move out. So, um, you know, it doesn't really serve a purpose in, in engaging, you know, potential candidates into the community. I think it's, I think it's perfectly dumb. Yeah. You have to live here for the year, then you can apply, and then you can get out. Then so, you can move out. And, you know, for us... I, you know, it, we live in a good-sized house, so having Tyler there is no problem, right? But not everybody can do that for people. So, but he couldn't afford to pay the rent there, you know? But imagine doing all that and then not getting in. No, I think he'll get in because they definitely need I'm not officers. Saying him, I'm just saying in general, though, what if he did all that and then didn't pass? Yeah, that can happen too. Yeah. It's still, it's a, it's a very competitive process once, you know, not competitive in the sense that there's so many applicants, but, you know, to pass the, the, the various tests, you know, you have the written test, the physical test. At this point, emotional, I think, I think Brookline should say, welcome in, come in. Yeah. Okay. Step up and pay some money. So the problem is we're actually, we, um, we opened to laterals, which was, you know, something we thought would help alleviate some of our staffing crisis. Um, we didn't have any applicants. No one wants to come to Brookline. And if you look at, you know, where we're that we've been without a contract, our, um, our union's been without a contract for, I think we're going on two plus years, um, maybe longer. And that's a frequent. So you're all working with no contract. With a, that's correct. So you all step out tomorrow and go on strike. We have a problem. Uh, well, we're we're not allowed to strike. Oh, that's um, right, because you're a town. You're not a city, right? And then if, you know, I have 25 years, um, you know, in the pension system, but even as a supervisor with 25 years of experience, I could leave Brookline today, go to Cambridge, and make something like almost like $30,000 more walking in the door as a, star, as a patrolman. Um, but and your so, pension goes with you. The pension goes, but it would be a huge yearly pay increase. And so that's, you know, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing no, officers. No, you can't take your pension with you? You can take your pension. Yes. But so you're, you're wondering make... why I'm not doing that. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Not that I want to lose you out of Brookline, but the point is, what makes you not do that? Tell me. Uh, I mean, I truly do love Are our community. Are you born on the June and July <laughs> like, are you cancer? Like, you don't like change? Which one is it? Probably I don't like change, but I do. I'm really committed to our community. And I, I see, you know, despite all the noise that we see around, you know, anti-police rhetoric or, you know, these um, changes that, you know, may or may not um, be really um, needed in our community or wanted by the community that really make it a better place. You know, after spending decades of working, like, 
with people, right, at their most, like, sometimes, like, their worst day and being able to make that better for them and seeing the humanity, seeing the volunteers at the food pantry and seeing the, the, the managers at, for client housing and the teachers that care about their kids, like, being part of that and having such an exposure to that for so many years, you know, you, you see it once you kind of take away the noise that we um, that we have so much of in Brookline right now, um, you know, whether that be about the police department or other, you know, town town issues. Um, there's really good people doing really good work there. And it's, you know, I personally feel committed to being part of that. Um, for better or worse. And listen, I know all the police that I came up with. I'm 58, right? As a builder and doing details, they're starting to age out with me, right? Yeah. They're, and they're in their 60s. <clears throat> like you said, a lot are going to go maybe take some early retirement, take retirement. I know some are going to stay on right to the end to get mm-hmm. full retirement. Yeah. But you mentioned about schools. Talk to me why, with everything that's going on in the country today, why do we pull resource officers out of our schools? And I don't know if you know, this could be a question that you maybe be able to answer or not. Does Newton still have resource officers? Do our local towns and cities around us still have them? Yeah, um, the answer to that is yes. Most of our neighboring communities still have uh, school resource officers and a presence in the schools. Um, in Brookline, post Floyd, um, following the committees to reimagine policing and the policing reform committee by t- run by two different select people. Um, uh, the issue of school resource officers came came to the forefront, and there was wide support for school resource officers and the work that they do, particularly by school administration. Um, but there were um, there were concerns about um, how the presence of officers within the schools made students uh, made, made students feel, particularly students of color. And you know, my my thought and 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 you know, kind of. My approach to it was, you know, let's try to build bridges between and build back relationships between the police and the community. And if students, particularly students of color, are uncomfortable with police, let's let's try to to figure out how we can make that better as opposed to just ripping us out and now having no relationships between police and the community because we're not going anywhere. Right. We're go. We're not going away. And, you know, the school committee um, and the select board, you know, voted to terminate the school resource officer program, did not put anything in place to take on some of the work that they have been doing. And kids are still in crisis. And our now youth resource officers, which have they've been, you know, uh, you know, reassigned under the youth resource uh, umbrella are busier than ever dealing with kids in crisis, dealing with kids that, you know, are, are exhibiting at risk behavior. Um, but that could be white kids. And black kids, okay, and brown kids, and Asian kids. Brookline is very multiracial, right? We're, right. we're, we're a community with everything. Right. And let's be honest, kids, are, kids you know, when kids. asked if you're uncomfortable around a cop, all kids are going to say yes. yes. My own kids included, okay. right? Exactly. Because you, know, you would always think you're doing something you shouldn't be. Right. Um, and even if, right. But the truth is, in high school, if we were parenthood of cops, we were probably doing something we shouldn't have been doing, okay? <laughs> the kid that's doing everything right wasn't afraid of a cop, okay? Oh, let's go smoke a joint in the bathroom. Mm, yeah, that's going to be a problem, okay? That's our decision as teenagers. And teenagers are going to make some bad decisions. But what I had heard was they were more apt to remove you out because they think once a kid is in the system, it's going to be that kid's going to end up in the system for the rest of their life. Right. And, and the homework I've done on that, that is not true. There's not a setup in Brookline or, you know, that, oh, you're in trouble. You're going to be always a kid and you're going to be a, an adult in jail and you're going to end up in juvenile court. And you're going to, you know, it's going to be a right. systematic thing. 
That That's is exactly true. right. They call it the the, the school to prison pipeline. And um, there's not a single documented case of one of our school resource officers actually arresting a, a child out of the schools. Okay, hold that thought. I'm Steve Stumple. You're from Top of Hills. I'm going to be using Sponsored by Pella Windows of Boston, Next Day Molding, and Kennedy Carpet. Who says you can't go home? There's only one place to call me one of them. I love that dirty water. Welcome back to Top of Nails on WBZ News Radio 1030. Now, Cindy Stampo. I'm Samantha. And Casey. And I got to get you with it. Like, let's go, honey. You're, you're a cruiser, a cop. I'm going to make you a radio personality yet. Um, go ahead. What were we finishing up with on that last conversation when I said, hold that thought? Do you remember? There's not a single statistic about school resource officers in Brookline arresting juveniles. That's and they, and they named a program. What was the name of the program? So they call it the the, the school to prison pipeline. And in Brookline, um, it's almost the exact opposite for the work that our school resource officer now youth risk officers are doing, which is we are um, we focus on diversion. We focus on keeping kids out of the criminal justice system. And you know, overall, even if you look at the work that the police department has been doing, and um, for those of you that want to see more, there's plenty on our website. All of our annual reports that show number of arrests and juveniles arrested and field interviews and, you know, our enforcement activity. And, you know, we really try to keep kids and people that aren't that don't need to be put into the criminal justice system out. So people suffering from, you know, mental health crises that, you know, would be better served going into like a mental health facility as opposed to jail. We don't have and enough of those anymore either. We don't have enough of those either. Right. And similar to, to juveniles, you know, we work with families, we work with the juvenile core, we work with the school guidance counselors. You know, it's a real wraparound service. Um, unfortunately, some of that has been lost with the removal of our school resource officers. They're not in the schools day to day to develop those relationships and have kids that might come forward and talk to them about what they, you know, have seen with you know, that they're concerned about or concerned about a friend or, you know, something that the teachers want to talk to them about. So there's some of that relationship building that is um, foundation that's being lost. Um, but Kill they are still heavily involved with students. I, I don't remember them calling them youth officers, but is that the Resource. same thing as, as campus aids? Is that like the same thing? Um, no, it was formerly like the D.A.R.E. program. Okay. So like the D.A.R.E. officers, if you remember Yeah, I remember my, it was a puke-color green T-shirt that I had. I remember that. <laughs> um, you know, but what we are seeing, and as much as people say, you know, kids don't want to engage with police, um, you know, we have been running um, as a way to redefine the work that we're doing to ensure that we still have those relationships. We've started an after-school program for, for middle schoolers who came and were able to receive the curriculum that our school resource officers deliver around cyber safety and and uh, bullying and healthy relationships. And that was wildly attended. Um, we were able to receive a grant through the Lauren Dunn Astley Foundation to run that training. Um, we also ran a juvenile, uh, junior, excuse me, um, community emergency response team. So the town has a what's called the CERT program, community emergency response team, which is about 250 community members that are trained to come out and assist emergency responders during a crisis. And we launched our first ever uh, junior CERT with the Brookline High School last year. And this program was being run on Sunday mornings. And and I was very concerned if we were going to get, you know, kids that would be interested. And we had a huge, um, a huge amount of interest. And we ran the program on Sunday mornings for uh, five, five weeks and trained them to be able to assist emergency responders and just be more prepared themselves and um, prepared for dealing with, you know, if they find themselves in an active threat situation or, you know, need to come out and assist the, here, the here, Here's my issues, okay? There's got to be law and order in our country. Okay, that's a must. Whether I like it or not, if I'm doing the right thing, I'm not afraid of law and order. If I'm doing the wrong thing, I'm afraid of law and order. 
if you're living your life with a with a, a moral compass that goes north, right? Then you got no reason to be afraid of cops. You should run to a cop if there's a problem. What I have noticed, especially in my area, you guys spend more time on domestic violence than you do on houses getting broken into. It used to be domestic violence, right? All through COVID, it was like, you know, there'd be eight cops coming up, you know, and waiting for calls, and they might stop at one of my job sites, right? Right there, like off the heat street, the one's talking to the other. And I'd pull up and say, it'd be a snowstorm. Guys, what are you doing? I always go wait for the next call, you know? And then I could tell by, okay, I need your help. They already know where they're going, right? We, we've known this for years. But this is coming down a whole different path. How are you guys, especially, I don't know if you know this, how, what's the population in Brookline now that all of a sudden, also Chestnut Realty is also built all those new units over there, right? So more people coming in. You have how many people, about, I'm not holding you to a number. Do we have any idea about how many people, Sammy? I think lived? the new census is around 60,000. Okay, 60,000 people and how many cops? Under 110. Under okay, 110. those that's not too good that when- They're not great numbers. Okay. So, and we also have redefined the way that we do our work, right? Because the community was very vocal. Fifty nine two two three. You're pretty right on. Was it uh, fifty nine thousand two two three as of twenty twenty? Okay, we need more cops. We need more cops. Okay. We need, and you know, to be asked to do the the myriad of things that we're asked to do, right? It's not just responding to residential burglaries. It's not no, it's everything. medicals and traffic crashes. But you know, at two o'clock the schools close, or you know, three o'clock. You know, Friday afternoon, town hall clo closes. Brookline Community Mental Health Center is not taking new patients. Like, Brookline Housing Authority staff goes home. Nobody is working 24-7. And as much as people say they don't want police, you know, working with the communities in these certain areas that are deemed to be social services, the reality is there's nothing else in place. And okay, so great. people call us, and we have to respond to people in crisis, to people who are, you know— that are hungry. We work, we have a homelessness task force. You know, we have, we work with people that have hoarding and mental illness. You know, we are, we don't say no. We don't say, I'm sorry, we're not taking any more clients. I'm sorry, we're not, we're closing our door because we close at noontime. We don't do that. We're 24 seven and we take whatever comes our way. We respond to, you know, 70,000 calls a year for service. And some of those are major crimes. You know, I said we respond in Brookline from everything from like potential terrorism to thefts to turkeys. Um, you know, to we turkeys. to turkeys, <laughs> which is actually That's true. That's a big one. OK, Newton to turkeys. And, yeah. You know, the reality is, is that we're the catch all. And, you know, the, the thing that felt probably the worst coming out of COVID and post Floyd was that we were villainized for being a catch all for, you know, agencies that didn't have the capacity or the inclination to take on the work. And we go, we don't ask for people's income. We don't ask for insurance. But we if, respond and we help. If we take an example, um, there's a pop-up sneaker place that opened up on Route 9. Yep. Right? Now, to get hit, Yep. they call us, can you guys come and plywood? Hey, see Snowboard Development. We were busy. We refer them to somebody else. They plywood up and get hit the next night. Yep. Guy loses all insurance. All his business is done, right, for a sneaker place. Now, Back in the day, this is common sense. You robbed the place once, you didn't go back the next night and do it again. Then At a pretty a, major intersection with correct, a 24-hour business correct, next door and the, cameras the, everywhere. Right, it was very brazen. Right, the gas station, everything. But the cops could have caught them and they told to back it off. Just let them go. Because it's not worth taking somebody's life as you guys are on a speed. So let them have the sneakers, right? Just yeah. this is the whole thing. It's like a child. If a child gets away with this, they're going to push and get away with that. 
and so on and so on. I think we can all say that's wrong. Like you come back a second time. Who would ever thought they'd come back a second time? But they did. And you guys could have caught them, but dispatch whoever makes the call, let them go because it's not worth hurting somebody else in, in a, you know, a 90 mile an hour chase right. well, over cigars, right? So it, you're picking your battles out there. And I see that. We have to that. pick the battles and have we not, and someone got hurt, you know, that would be an enormous tragedy. Correct. Um, and, and have we even lawsuit. apprehended them, they would have ended up in court. And to be honest. And they were out the probably, next day. Probably kicked. Yeah. Okay. So there, there, there's where I'm going. So they get arrested and they're out the next day. So, it's, I hate to say it, it's like shoveling against the tide. Yeah. So, where and when does this lunacy stop? And how does the lunacy stop? And unfortunately, the, look, I look at Revere, and um, it's a place that I have a lot of ties to. They still have the Revere Journal. We don't have a Newton and Brookline tab. Revere's had a journal. I don't even know how far back it goes to Nan and Papa, Okay. <laughs> that you can still read. And most people around there just read the obituaries because they wonder who died and do I need to go to a funeral. But we don't have a Brookline or Newton tab anymore. So that's what kept the locals. Okay, this is what's going on. What we have now is we have a couple of um, Facebook discussion groups that are pretty toxic, that are driving the news. Yeah, when Um, I'm in a mood, I blow up your Facebook too. I come on there like... Yeah, this is not good that he's retired. It's not good that she's leaving. Like, what is wrong with you people on here? Like, you know, but. Yeah, but in terms of news, our community now is turning to these, like, uh, really uh, active and not always accurate uh, discussion boards to get their news because there is no place. You know, the tab doesn't come to their doorstep anymore. And and people live in Brookline, right? It's a safe community. It's a nice community. You know, they moved hey, here because. Hey, we still got 25 best towns to live in this year yeah okay Newton so used to get one number people one people go about too. their day right you, you most residents just want to live in brookline and presume that everything is you know all the wheels are working behind the scene and that they don't have to worry yeah. about things like rising crime all i know is this i've seen good kids come out of bad homes in my whole life and i've seen bad kids come out of good homes sometimes it's just the luck of the draw we'll be right back i'm Cindy stumpo and you listen to tough as nails on wbz news radio 10 right sponsored by newbrook realty group boston wood smaller insurance world auto body and tosca drive auto body Welcome back to Tough as Nails on WBZ News Radio 1030. And I'm here with Sammy and I'm here with Sergeant Casey Hatchet. Okay. I have a question, Sergeant. Do you think that social workers across the country are going to be able to handle calls like domestic violence? And by the way, domestic violence to me is not just mom and dad putting their hands on each other. Works both ways, by the way, at times. But it's now teenagers putting their hands on their mothers. Girls putting their hands on their mothers. Boys putting their hands on their fathers. That's becoming big too. In your personal opinion, looking at not just Brookline, the whole country, can a social worker handle that? And does a social worker even want to handle that? Your opinion. So in my opinion and in my experience that um, in responding to these calls for two and a half decades, uh, domestic violence calls are typically some of our most unpredictable and volatile calls that we respond to. Um, you do really require having um, you know, 
we respond multiple officers so that we don't send one officer in because these situations can turn very violent. Um, you know, once a scene is uh, de-escalated, I think there's an opportunity for social workers to be part of that process in working with the families and um, and victims. But on a hot call going in on a 911, those calls should be um, those should be responded to by police officers who are trained. Um, you know, we receive a tremendous amount of training in crisis intervention, de-escalation, um, much similar training that um, a lot of social workers receive over the course of 25 years. Um, you know, we have 50 hours of in-service training every year that really equips us to be able to respond to these very volatile and, and um, dangerous situations. You know, once a scene is stabilized and, um, you know, having a social worker on scene is great. We do have a, sta- we do have a social worker in Brookline. Um, she is wonderful. She does not want to respond to these calls. She does not want to be the primary responder to an active, uh, an active scene. She's very, very helpful and, and a critical part of our of our of our process, but not as the first responder. And I and I'm not sure that there's you know a lot of social workers out there that want to be the initial 911 responder. Here's always the question I want to ask. I never ask anybody. When you do get that call. How many times does the person turn on you and say, no, no, don't take them out. No, no, don't take her out. We'll, we'll work this out. After they make that 911 call, right. but now you've got to take them by law, right. correct? So we have a zero tolerance policy for domestic violence um, in the state. And so if we respond to a call and there's um, reason to believe that abuse has happened and that one family member has, has hurt the other, one um, member of the relationship has hurt the other, um, we make an arrest in that situation. And oftentimes that results in the victim who, you know, maybe now worries for their own, you know, safety, that they'll be, um, they'll be punished for having called or, um, you know, they, you know, don't want to actually lose their partner from the household. Um, we'll get, we'll be very upset with law enforcement. And we have to explain to them, you know, that we're taking the decision out of their hands, that this is, you know, this is the police. Um, so again, another no policy. win situation for you guys. An- another no win situation. Where's the accolades? Where's, where's the feel good moment when you go home at night? Yeah. Like I know what I feel good when I go home, even though I'm dead exhausted after working 18 yeah. hour days, at least I go, wow. I got to build another beautiful building, whether it's commercial, yeah. whether it's residential. There's some good feel moment. What what for you? You know, what do your the, peers talk about? They're in those little um, those little interactions that you have, you know, the being able to help a senior that, you know, maybe just needed, you know, a new pair of slippers, right? Oh, I mean, the best we, though. The old people you know, they're the best. They are the best. Um, you know, or that, you know, child that you could help or, you know, someone who, you know, just was experiencing, you know, kind of the worst day of their life, right? And it can be like they had like a, a traffic crash or their identity got stolen and they just don't know where to go. Or it could be they were victimized of a crime or that they're in an abusive relationship and just having, you know, these interactions with the community, with our residents um, and helping make what is, you know, a really lousy day for them a bit better. Um, doesn't have to be, you know, doesn't actually have to even be you know, some glamorous case, you know, catching the big bank robber, right? We just had a bank robbery and we caught the guy the next day. You know, that was great for those officers. Um, but often it's just the the day-to-day interactions of, you know, maybe it's just even giving directions to somebody and they just say to you, you know, thank you for your service. Thank you for what you do. You know, thank you for being a role model it's for my so, kids. It's so worth hearing that right now. Isn't it amazing? The last couple yeah. of years, big time. Thank you for it your service. It helps. Ser- thank you for your service. Like that is such an easy thing to say, right? But people are just so selfish and set in their ways. I know cops that um, 
in many cities and towns that have given kids their numbers through COVID. If you need anything, call me. If you, literally, I have friends that are, are cops in other cities and towns that have brought food over. Yeah. They've gone in their own pocket to bring food over because yeah. they know that family, whether it's a family in Revere or wherever, West Pe- it doesn't matter. I have friends all over the place. And went in their own pockets to do that. Yeah. And Our cops do that all the time. Right. And, you so know, we, people forget when they see us and they see the badge and they see the uniform, like, you know, we're, we're sons and daughters, we're mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters. Like, we experience our own, you know, life tragedies, our own hardships, our own, you know, joys, right? And so people forget sometimes that we're human just like they are. Um, and so the seeing someone in need and wanting to help them, you know, People didn't take, you didn't take the police job because you wanted to give somebody a parking ticket or a speeding ticket. Like you right. just don't. And you didn't take it to make a lot of money. You don't and take it for rich, the accolades. Okay? You don't take it for the money. You take it because you want to help people. Right. And the vast majority of the work that we do is just doing that. It's just showing up, helping people solve problems that are sometimes easy and sometimes complicated. And it's a it's a thankless job in a lot of ways. Um, but you guys it, are still out there doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And she's smiling. And people can't see you in the <laughs> studio, but you're smiling. Yeah. After how many, what, 20 what? 25. 25, 25 years. years. Yeah. And no second guessing, like maybe just, and her eyes <laughs> are tearing up, up by the Unless I get picked up as a radio way. personality, I think okay, that, going back well, to the station. Could, that, that could be a good thing. Um, but I see your eyes, and as we're talking, your eyes are smiling, and then they're filling up with water. So obviously it's been very emotional out here the last few years. Prior to yeah. COVID, was it as emotional, this job, or was it get up, go, and... Let's do our thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's had its ebbs and flows, I think. Um, you know, the pendulum does swing in, in our nation from, you know, from good to bad and from, you know, being very, you know, being pro-police, right? right? Like after 9-11, after the Boston Marathon bombing, like right. those, We've had a those lot. were times that were, you know, people really revered their police. Um, and and then, then they forget about 9-11. Yeah. People forget too fast. See, that that, yeah. that analyzes the problem. People forget. Do we need another crisis like that oh, to bring gosh, this country back together? Is that what it's going to take? Gosh, I really hope not. You know, you know I mean, I think, you know, our, our profession has done itself a disservice in, in some ways. Um, we certainly have members of our profession that have um, made it very difficult um, for the rest of us. And, you know, we can do better and we should do better. And we want to work with our community to do that. And, right. so, and I want a governor that's going to take care of my police officers. Yeah. Okay. I want a governor that looks off my police officers in Massachusetts. I'm a Massachusetts girl, right? I can't move to Florida. I make a living here. <laughs> if I could, I'd move there tomorrow, but I can't. So I'm a mass girl. With that being said, you know, I just want, I want the right people. I need some politics to stand up and, and protect you guys and say enough's enough. Enough's enough. You will respect our police officers. Our police officers are good here, you know? And like I said, for one every bad seed, then we get rid of that police officer and we replace them. But this is just, to me, a lot of insanity going on. You've talked so highly of Brookline. Is there anything that I've left out about what you all do as police officers in Brookline and why you stay here underpaid against every city in town? Why? Please, I'm I'm all ears. I want to know why, what keeps you here. And I know that you've talked about all good things, but and maybe it doesn't. Again, when's your birthday? When's what? When's your birthday? What month? Uh, September. All right, so I just hit the big five. You're a Leo, so <laughs> <laughs> welcome to get on. Libra. Oh, Libra. Oh. 
Okay. Yeah. So that's why she her decisions were made to stay here, and that's yeah. the end. Yeah. You know, I mean, for me, it's not. You know, I wasn't torn between like, do I take the fire test or the police test? Like, this is a calling, and you know, to make a commitment to a community, um, and really be part of it. And do you and love Brookline? I do. And you that's do. been that that has that has been tested truly over the last couple of years. But I truly love the community. It is a great community, and um, you know, I encourage people to get involved with our organizations like the food pantry and you know other f- folks that are out there just doing really Let great people work. Know. Where's the food pantry it's for people that don't know? So the food pantry is at United Parish um, at on Harvard Street at the corner of Marion. They also have two satellite locations: one at Egmont Street, um, Fifteen Egmont Street, and one at High Street in Brookline. So House this is Authority. such a terrible police officer, Sergeant, that really <laughs> wants to bother you as you're coming down the street, even though you're going 90 miles an hour. And she's working, doing the food bank and everything else that goes with it. Hold that thought. We're going to break. I'm Cindy Stomple. And this is Top of Nails on WBZ News Radio 1030. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Top of Nails on WBZ News Radio 1030. And I'm here with Sammy. And I'm here with Sergeant Casey Hatchett. Okay, take it off for us, hon. So I guess in closing, first, thank you so much for for having me here. My pleasure. Um, It's been really uh, a great experience to just kind of reflect on where we've been the last few years. And I do have great hope for the future of the police department um, and our work with the community. And, you know, I just want to encourage listeners who live locally to, you know, get involved in our programs. We have self-defense classes for women. We install car seats for for um, new and expecting parents. We have a community emergency response team. Um, we're going to be hosting an upcoming Thanksgiving Day meal for elders and, and families uh, in need. And, you know, we constantly are running programs uh, with our community. And we hope that you come out and engage with us. And we and- need those donations. Everybody have a great, safe weekend, and we'll see you next week. I'm Cindy Stompo, Tough as Nails, WBZ News Radio, 1030. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.